This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. I just about started this podcast by doing the, uh, the WhatsApp, that thing, and I lost confidence right as it started. There's no good way to start a podcast, and this is also not a good way. Commenting on what you didn't do is what's up. That's uh, seven up. Yeah, and then the Bud Budweiser had the well, they had the frogs, and then they also had uh, the guys in the boat becoming emotional with each other, and they go, "Oh, I love you, man. I love you, man." It's actually the way that my uh, my dad. It's the only way my dad and I communicate love. <laughs> That's not a joke at all. That's completely true. It's always "I love you, man," and it's in reference to a twenty-year-old beer commercial. It's in reference to a beer commercial that came out when I was like, no, well, shit. My parents got divorced when I was fourteen, so that was twenty years ago. And I think the commercial, I think the commercial's 25 years old. I was like nine or 10 years old when that Bud went. Let's look this up. I was so far before drinking age when that commercial, Budweiser, I love you, man, commercial. What, 1995, I was six years old. Let me see if I can, uh. Oh, I can't plug. Fuck. I I do this sometimes, uh, which is, I'm stupid sometimes. Let me see if this thing pauses the way that the old one pauses. All right. So for the second straight week, I have paused the podcast uh, because I forgot to set it up so that I could play videos in the intro and outro. But this is the 25-year-old beer commercial did i say i was nine i said that i was nine years old when this commercial came out born in 86 nine years old dad yeah there's uh something i want to tell you what is it son well dad you're my dad and i love you man you're not getting my Bud Light, Johnny. For the great taste that would... This is... <laughs> oh, this has become a therapy session. This is the basis for my dad and I showing each other affection. Is a commercial where a son is trying to manipulate his dad out of a domestic light beer. Uh... So, I guess this is why I do stand-up comedy. <laughs> uh, today's guest is Vanessa Dawn. She's a friend of mine. She's a Seattle comic, uh, originally from Oklahoma. She's extremely funny, great writer, uh, very personable on stage. When um, we talked about, she has been... Uh, 
she has been present for a couple very large failures of mine as a booker. And we talked about that. Uh, but she's also my family. The people that come and see me a lot and have seen uh, every every comic in the Tacoma area, family and friends that come see me a lot. She's a favorite among those people also. Uh, she has a web series with a buddy of mine named Travis Nelson called Funny and Sad. Uh, it's with Travis Nelson and Vanessa Dawn. Uh, she is on social media at Nessa the Dawn, I think on all platforms. So go check her out, and then let's let's see if we can uh, we can find her website very quickly. Vanessa Dawn, oh nope, Vanessa Dawn Smith. Don't know who that is. A missing person. This is a different Vanessa Dawn. She was in the Seattle International Comedy Competition. Instagram, as suspected, Nessa the Dawn. No web URL to be found. That's fine. Just fine. Nobody. By the way. Comics all have websites for no reason. Nobody goes and checks a comedian's website. Even like, even like uh, the big guys. I think most of their ticket sales aren't coming from people clicking through their website. It's, uh, it's people on their social media and shit like that. Anyways, uh, Vanessa's super funny. The conversation it ranges uh, into some. I think it's like. By the way, I think this is the best episode of the podcast yet just so you know and i'm fucking it up by uh making the intro about me but i think this is the best interview so far there's parts that are funny there's parts that are uncomfortable uh vanessa's a black woman and we we talked about race in a way that i like i don't feel like i hear a lot of people talking about it nor do i get to have a conversation <clears throat> i'm not choking up emotionally or do I have COVID, by the way? Every cleared throat, every sneeze, every cough is suspicious now. You can't catch it via podcast anyway, but I do not have it. Um, I don't get to talk to someone about race in a candid way, the way that uh, Vanessa talked to me about the stuff that's going on right now uh, and just like the overall way that the narrative is being shaped oftentimes by people who are not uh, immediately affected by it. So uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Vanessa Dawn. I know that makes it sound very heavy. It's such a funny conversation. She's such a funny comic. Um, enjoy the conversation, and I'll talk to you afterwards. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at the Casey McLean. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash Casey McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. 
Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you, Casey? Good. It's been uh, it's been a long time. It's been like six months since I've seen you. At least, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It was. I'm trying to think of probably the last time I saw you was you and I opened for Gabriel Rutledge. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea when that was. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it was back when we thought comedy was a thing. That I was gonna last. I know. Well, you're one of the people that's got like, and I'm a, I'm recording already, so uh, that's fine. If you're if you're gonna say something crazy and inflammatory, just know that I'm gonna use it to get you. <laughs> uh, you're gonna get canceled, Vanessa, by the end of this podcast. Uh, you're one of the people that I kind of think gets fucked the most by this uh, pandemic because. You're not from Washington State. Yeah. Are you live? I actually saw. I thought I saw that you were in. Uh, you were somewhere else recently, right? You went somewhere. Yeah, else I went back home to maybe? Oklahoma for um, well, twice actually. I went just to okay. kick it because, like, I was just getting unemployment and you know, all our state was closed, and Oklahoma yeah. was like, "Nah, we're kicking it." So I was like, "You know what? I'm leaving." <laughs> <laughs> Was it because that's the tough thing is you come to Seattle, which is like a place with some of the craziest rent in the country, and then you don't even get to like do the. This is the same thing people that live in New York for comedy are going through right now, yeah. right? It's like uh, you come and pay these crazy rents to be able to go on stage a lot, and then you're not able to go on stage a lot. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, um, oh, this kind of sucks right now, but what can you do? Did you go on stage at all in Oklahoma? Uh, yeah, I did a, a couple open mics. Well, they were like, you can't have extra time since you we ain't seen you in a minute. So I was like, of course. Oh, that's they. nice. Oh, so they were like rooms you already know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I guess that makes sense. Are you, I, I can't remember, because you, so you, you do a thing on stage that I like, uh, which is that you immediately turn the crowd against you <laughs> a lot of the time when you, in Seattle, because you come on stage and you say, uh, I'm from Oklahoma home of the supersonics which by the way at at first i say i love it uh hurts my feelings deeply (laughs) like uh i was a big sonics fan and i've been in pain since they left but as a comic i love that you come in and just pour salt into a wound and then try to recover from it you know like it's not getting any worse than that that's it i'm not gonna (laughs) get uh but which are what city in oklahoma are you from tulsa Okay, so t- so uh, not officially. That's like what, a hundred miles from Oklahoma City or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, and what? I guess the so Bricktown Comedy Club, uh, you isn't super convenient. I was thinking maybe you could have you could have swung uh, some time at Bricktown. But. Yeah, well, I got family in Oklahoma City too, and so I was oh, up really? there for a while. Yeah, I was trying to get um, some time there, but like the weekends that I was there, they had all special shows because they had just like yeah. opened back up. So they're like, sorry, we don't really have any guest spots. And I was like, all right. But I was in yeah, Tulsa for tough. their open mic, so I was like, you know, I'm not going to drive for an open mic. <laughs> Yeah. What's the, is it a funny or a loony bin? Yeah, loony bin is in OKC okay, cool. and Tulsa. Gotcha, gotcha. So eventually they're probably just going to ban you from one of them, but, uh, <laughs> just, I don't know. I'm not, because I'm not of this podcast. Anything. Yeah, because of this very podcast. Uh, I think it's mostly about the Sonics thing. They feel very bad oh, in mate, Oklahoma City. That's... I'm sure, I'm sure they have tons of sympathy for people in Seattle in Oklahoma City. 
right? <laughs> uh, what's the difference between doing comedy in Oklahoma full time and doing comedy in Seattle full time? Um, well, Oklahoma, you can't really do comedy full time. Like everybody got a job, basically, mm. for the most part. There's a couple- well, that's true in Seattle too, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but you know, there's a few people in Seattle who are full time comics and they can just yeah. travel and make money like that. Oklahoma, like. I knew maybe two people who were doing it full time and both of them, it was just because they worked cruise ships and both of them had like gotcha. wives with jobs. So Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be a real recipe for being a full time comic is to have a spouse that makes a lot more money than you do. <laughs> right. And believes in your dreams. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. That's uh, I, my wife and I make about the same amount of money and uh, she's got limited belief in my dreams. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> uh what are the audiences like in oklahoma um it kind of just depends where you're at because like oklahoma like if you're in tulsa or oklahoma city i mean it's a lot looser like people it's you know like if you go from seattle to tacoma how it's a yeah. lot like oh they're not as pc Better? in tacoma <laughs> <laughs> as they are in capitol hill it's yeah. kind of like that on steroids going from washington to oklahoma like you can basically okay as long as you don't super offensive like as long as you don't like point out somebody you know for yeah. the most part people aren't going to really be too offended but at the same time people will fight you in oklahoma <laughs> <laughs> that's a great difference which is like they might be less they might actually be technically less offended but right? they're the way they're going to deal with being offended is way worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's not going to be a Facebook post about it. <laughs> but it will get dealt oh, they, handle you know? ju- they handle justice the way you'd expect in Oklahoma based on, like, every Western I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so yeah, funny. Like, I've definitely been to a show that got, like, shut down because there was, like, it was about to turn into, like, a huge foot. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> Well, I guess I'm That's not going funny. up. Like. <laughs> you got bumped by a fight? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. I've heard other comics talk about that. Like, I don't know that I want more fights <laughs> in the in the crowd in uh yeah. in Seattle, the Seattle I, area. I mean, it doesn't happen often, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's a possibility. I think that's a good. Yeah, that's a good way to deal with it, actually. Is because I because yeah. I I don't say anything like crazy flagrant on stage, but I do feel like there are times when I'm in Seattle where if I don't change the wording of a joke, it will I can tell the difference. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's not the funniest way to tell it overall, but it's like if I want to survive that night, right? If you, I guess maybe a better a better comic might just go like fuck that. The crowd doesn't get to decide whatever. But like I'm. Uh, not that good, I guess. Or I don't like hurting people's feelings. Right? They're like, um, "Is this a white dude? He's gonna say what we tell him to say." <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. If, if if we could just have a Vanessa Dawn out there to to speak on behalf of all white guys' problems, we'd all be in a lot better shape. I think. Um, the ambassador. Nice. <laughs> I don't. I think it would actually it would kill the context or the the content of most uh, white guys' podcasts out there if Vanessa Dawn was just like, you know, you guys have a point. We'd just be like, fuck, now what do we say? We have nothing left to say. <laughs> just like, wait a second, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. 
Like ah shit, she should. You 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 know what? You'd be a you'd be a white podcast icon, I think, if you if you uh, came out on behalf of white guys. You could be the new Joe Rogan with the flip of a switch. I think. Damn, yeah, I'm listening. that's you, you might have to be you might have to be Candace Owens, unfortunately, but uh But how but what's the paycheck looking like? I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> That's actually another thing that I, I like about you and I'm worried that this is gonna come off as uh like uh people other people won't like it. I don't think it'll offend you specifically, but you're like a comic that works hard instead of uh tries to like do everything they can to not write to get recognition. You know what I mean? Like like uh you yeah. like yeah. you do the road and you fucking get up in every room. You're booked like every night. Whenever you put one of those calendars up, I'm like, Jesus, I didn't even know half these rooms existed. <laughs> and you're booked in them. And uh I think people lose that. People like they get they get like they start to get their uh accolades and their like recognition and all that off of Twitter and off of activism oh, yeah. instead of comedy. And you're like a comic, yeah. a comics comic. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm here to tell jokes though. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, like I, if, if it comes down to it, like, yeah, of course, like I'm going to try to stand up to do the right thing, but I'm not going to like, like, I'm not here to try to find the right thing. You know, like I'm not like yeah. Dick Gregory yet. You feel me? Like I don't have that type <laughs> yeah. of backup. Like, I can't just fly into a protest at this point in my life and still pay rent. You feel me? So. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing, too, is like, uh, uh, and I don't know how, like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I was like, you know, I support generally what's going on, uh, at least the sentiment behind most of the protests that are going on. Oh, for sure. But there's also a global pandemic going on, and I have a fucking one-year-old daughter and a and a wife and, like, family members who are of potentially... So like I've donated money, but I like I just like I can't justify being in a group of thousands of people, especially like, you know, stuff going on in Seattle. Who knows if my car is even gonna be operable by the time I get back to it. Oh you yeah, know? you can't park at the protest case. You gotta <laughs> park like down way away, take a Uber, take the bus, some shit like that. You can't park at the protest. <laughs> you gotta have yeah, an escape like... plan from the protest to get back to the car which is a mission <laughs> <laughs> see this is too much planning for me when i can just <laughs> donate some money and i can i feel like that's gonna go further than a, a fat white dude with a beard in seattle like there, like there's seventy eight thousand of me at the protest already right like at least. i'm not recognizable in a group. Yeah, see, I'm too recognizable. I'm like, nah, fuck all that. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on probation. I cannot. Like, I was oh, going yeah, at first. Right. I went at first. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, fuck all this. Let's protest. And then they started arresting, like, everybody. And I was like. Yeah. Is that actually <laughs> is. So, I mean, like, obviously lighting a cop car on fire would be a probation violation. Yeah. But yeah. just being at the protest, is that a probation violation? I mean, the way they were saying it, they were just basically, like, arresting everybody. Because, yeah. like, once they set that the curfew? little curfew, yeah, yeah shit, you out past sense. curfew, that's a violation. Any, oh, basically, that's so, anything is a violation. <laughs> that reminds me. The, I, did a, I did a show on June 30th, 2019 that you were on. And it was, I remember very specifically because it was a joke that, uh, there was not very, you've, you've been on two shows that I've booked, at least two shows that I've booked, probably more than that. Yeah. But, uh, they've both been very poorly attended. Uh, 
<laughs> and the second one, you were, it was like, uh, a lot of like my family in the audience and, I you had gotten your ankle bracelet off that day, I believe, or like recently. <laughs> was that when you were like retiring for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, everybody thinks that I was quitting. By the way, I never was quitting. It was specifically I was going to take two months off because my wife had our daughter. She was like leading up to having our daughter, and I didn't want to be on the road when she went into labor. Yeah, and then uh, I was going to take a month off. My plan was a month off before and a month off after. I ended up going up. Nine days after my daughter was born, like, which <laughs> by the re- way isn't the record. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not the record. By the way, I know a guy whose wife gave birth, and uh, he was on stage the next day. I thought you were gonna and, say that night. I was about to say. Sorry. Oh no, I think I think there's actually I know a guy who was on stage when his wife went into labor, or was at least at a show when his wife went into labor. Yeah. But this other guy. I don't even know if his wife was out of the hospital, to be honest with you. And I especially, uh, the show that he did was like one of the worst open mics I've ever been to. <laughs> Not near his house. This is, this is my thing. My justification was, uh, the show was one block away from my house. So okay. I could, I could be gone for less than a half hour. And go do like some new material and come back home immediately. If it had been a 20 minute drive, I don't think, I think I would have been at least till the month that I had promised originally and then the promise I broke. Yeah, yeah. If it's in the neighborhood, that's a little bit different. But I don't know. I don't think I would do it for an open mic. Well, obviously, yeah. I, could, I couldn't. I don't have that option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, let me just get this quick three minutes in before my water breaks. <laughs> <laughs> You're like in between breastfeeding. You're you're like you're like oh shit, bring the baby on stage. Come on, uh, yeah, that's he just funny. Wheelchair but... me on stage. <laughs> yeah, well, that's you know that's a thing that I've thought about a lot since because it's very difficult. I uh, the first uh, she just turned a year, and six months of her first year has been this stupid pandemic. But uh, before that, I only did one road weekend, and I had like a bunch. I had so much scheduled in April. I was going to be on the road like two weeks of April. And then I was going to do, it's actually funny uh, and unfortunate. My first club headlining night Sucks. was supposed to be at Bricktown Comedy Club, June 18th. And uh, then the rest of the weekend, I was going to open for Polly Shore. And yeah, I got uh, I got canceled. And they opened up for that weekend. That was the weekend they opened up. But they were like, yeah, we're not putting a... We're not putting you up an unknown headliner uh, on a Thursday, like with minimal. It's already like not going <laughs> to sell any tickets. Stuff, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. That so that, that was, was sad because that. Well, I mean, oh, I didn't really? go to the show, but I was in Oklahoma. Yeah. You didn't go see Pauly Shore. What's wrong with you? I didn't know. <laughs> there was a whole pandemic. I was like, nah, the goofy movie's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've I've worked with him before. I don't think you missed uh, a great night. Um, yeah, I've never met him, but from what I've heard from everyone who has worked with him, I'm like, yeah, I guess I I've like tried to be diplomatic about because I think that the people that you've talked to are right, and I have like a crazy, I have like a a couple like very revealing of his personality stories. I think about the weekend that I worked with him, but he also tipped me a hundred dollars for helping him sell merch. So that's uh, oh, that's nice. That's nice, yeah. Uh, 
All right. So the audiences in Oklahoma, I presume, are more diverse, at least in the city, than Seattle. Is that right? Um, like yes and no, because I mean, like definitely, it's more mixed. Cause Seattle, you know, it's pretty, pretty white. Yeah, <laughs> but yes. it just kind of depends, like, cause. It, if you're on a, like a certain side of town, you could be on a show. It's going to be like straight black people. You could go to a show. It might be like a bunch of natives, a little bit oh, of white sure. people, some Mexican, like, you know, like there is a mix. It just kind of depends on like what show, what side of town and where you're going. Cause you could go like in Oklahoma, you could go out into like the middle of nowhere. Like I did a show at like a rodeo ground one time. And it was just like, Oh, oh that's great. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It's just a whole bunch of like older white people, and they fucking loved yeah. me. They're like, "I'll teach you how to ride a horse." <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the thing about the like. Is Oklahoma would be considered the South, right? Would you consider it the South? Yeah. Okay, so that's the thing about the South is like I am certain that they probably vote for shit that I don't like. Oh, for sure. But oh, for sure. People are very nice to your face, which is different from Seattle because. Even if someone votes for shit that I do like, they're very unfriendly to your face. Have you? How was that adjustment? Man, yeah, when I first moved out here, it was hella awkward because, you know, I'm used to, like, even play, like other places that I would go were still, like, more mm -hmm. in the South, you know, like Texas and stuff. So yeah. I'm walking around like, hey, guys, and everybody's like, who the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, you know, like, have a good night. And they're like, <laughs> yeah that's funny that's also like like seattle doesn't get its due for how uh because people in seattle think it's very progressive and it is but it's also like extremely segregated right like there's the part the part yeah. of town where most black people live is like one part of seattle yeah. and then yeah so it's it's weird like the anyway uh <laughs> i the other thing about like the south i guess you know the natives thing is interesting because that's did you know like a lot of people in this country have never met a native person yeah that's so crazy to me yeah but you like so i grew up here and i grew up on the on what is considered the puyallup indian reservation not like my house wasn't owned right. by the tribe but uh it was on the reservation and uh, huge chunks of oklahoma are reservation i think there was actually like a ruling that a whole bunch yeah, just, more of it is now yeah like oklahoma is like barely its own state anymore like yeah. so much as the reservation but it's like hella indian out there so it makes it yeah native, but that's like whatever. gotta be PC. yeah <laughs> well, that's what's funny too that's what's funny too is like there's so much of that shit where they're deciding like it's called the puyallup indian tribe out here it's not called the puyallup native american tribe yeah so like what do i say or uh or uh like i i saw this thing that like latinx are you familiar with the yeah. latinx like 98% of the of the Latin people that they polled did not like Latinx. Yeah, I hate POC. Oh, really? That's, I hate it. What do you want to be? What do you? What's your like, preference? Just say, I mean, like black or African American, either one sure. is fine with me. But don't POC like that shit is horrible to me because I'm like, first of all, you're assuming that other rate like races are oh, not racist right now you know what i mean yes like as if we haven't had issues with that in the past and second like how dare you 
put like put every little thing here like there's so many little like yeah. i'm actually this you know but you want to put every single minority together fuck out of here that's so that's actually a thing that's happened through this uh through these protests that i thought was interesting is that uh bipoc came out and i and i'm like i don't i understand your uh, aversion to uh poc everybody being lumped together yeah uh but bipoc is black and indigenous people of color mm-hmm. and i actually thought that was i mean i still think the plight of black people in this country uh and also like specifically descendants of slaves but also just black people period in this country yeah it's different f- but you got me on a topic i'm sorry vanessa but now we've now i'm excited to talk matter. about this but uh <laughs> black it. people Black people and indigenous people both have these histories that are so tied to the American government, right? Mm -hmm. Like they've been set back by, and so like those groups being separated from the rest of the groups makes sense to me because America has fucked those people so specifically. You know what I mean? Yeah. That being said, I do think like, why do we have to put everyone in the same? Yeah. Why do we have to? But and and the thing you said, I bring this up to people because they say like they're like only white people can be racist. Have you heard that? Like only yeah. white people can be racist. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, so Korean <laughs> shop owner. I grew up. There's like a Korean <laughs> shop owner. Black people walk in and they're following the black people Hell around yeah. the store. Hurry up and buy. Are they racist? <laughs> Yes. yes, of course that's racism, yes. right? Like that's how can that not be racism? So then if you're like only black people or sorry, only white people can be racist, then you're like, okay, well, I guess Koreans can be racist. And then we start to go like, wait, then we're like setting up a hierarchy of races, right? Yeah. And that's fucked up. Like there's there is institutional racism from white people, and I don't think we need to make it so that only white people can be racist to convince white people that that's yeah. fucked up. To be honest, the, <laughs> I only really hear white people saying that. <laughs> saying that only white people can be racist? Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. That's like another, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why do white people get to change the rules of racism? That's the fucking, uh. I don't know. I don't know. Y'all try to change all the rules, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, I had Adam Posse on, and I got such a funny clip of him because I said uh, he and I had done a podcast when I was first going to do this podcast. He was like the second interview I did. Do you know Adam Posse? Yeah, I love Adam. I took that for granted. Yeah, Adam's great. And uh, we had talked about a thing that was like a little dicey at the time, and then as I didn't, I never put it out because the pandemic started, right? And uh, it just like sounded weird in the in the middle of the pandemic to put out this like pre-pandemic podcast about comedy that doesn't exist anymore and then it was like a little bit dicey around the police and then the george floyd murder happened and i was like well this is never seeing the light of day like this fucking podcast is buried and i brought it up to him and he made there's a great clip uh on my facebook of him i said uh, i didn't realize like how insensitive it was going to end up looking and he goes yeah you're white People are white. People are insensitive. I'm sorry. And I was like, oh, that's fucking true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. I I'm always suspect of stuff like that where it's like we're really parsing the definition because in order for that to be true, you have to change the definition of racism. Yeah. Right. You have to like racism used to mean like viewing another race as inferior or treating them differently because of their race. Yeah. Uh, and white people certainly do that. I'm not saying that white people don't do that, but other, other races do that. And like, that's the, like in, in a lot of those races, or sorry, a lot of those racists 
who are of different races are a lot less veiled about the racism. They will say it much more baldly than a white person will say it. That's true. That's true. Well, maybe. <laughs> no, well, let me rephrase. In the Northwest, my exposure is mostly the Northwest. Okay. In the South, right. it would seem that there is. In the Northwest, I believe in that some white people are racist. For but white sure. In the Northwest, we won't say anything directly. It's all passive aggressive. No. Yeah, it's all like <laughs> little passive aggressive racism. Down South, they'll let you know, though. They're like, we don't really like your kind. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave. But I, I, which do you prefer? Like, I mean, I guess like for pleasant life, uh, for having a pleasant life, not knowing that the people around you are racist, maybe is better. But um, would you prefer? There's that great Roy Wood joke. Have you ever seen that special where he comes out and he just? I love this. Roy Wood's such a great comic, but he comes out great. and he goes. He starts his com his his special. He doesn't say hello. He doesn't wave to the crowd. He just comes out and goes. If they get rid of the Confederate flags. How are we going to know who the shitty white people are? Exactly. And that's like, a, you know, a little bit of like, if the if you are hiding it, then is it yeah. maybe doing worse? That's why, I, I mean, I'd rather be in my face. Like, let me know who I need to not fuck with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that does kind of help, like, especially if you're driving through the South. Like, I'm like, I'm not going to stop at this particular gas station. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, I've heard about it in, I mean, I think in comedy, obviously, like, Roy Wood has the stories that are, are really great, because he was, he just, like, started out as, like, a hardcore road dog comic, yeah. but in the I've South. heard this story, <laughs> yeah, in the South, too, in Alabama, yeah. of all places, yeah, like, the South, that's like, when, when I think of the South, I have to question whether Oklahoma is the South, yeah, there's it, no question about Alabama, that's oh, the yeah, that's example, the South. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Arkansas, Alabama, and Kentucky. If you're from the Northwest, those three are just like, I don't even know if they touch borders, but uh, they are the, not all. that's what you say to represent the South. Do they not touch borders? Not all. Uh, I know that Kentucky is so close to Ohio, and I've always thought of Ohio as the North. I mean, they, they literally yeah. touch a border. Midwest. Yeah, I think of it as, as the North, the Midwest, but the like a Northern state, and Kentucky is a Southern state, but they're like the same, basically. Yeah, they're close. But yeah, Georgia, Florida, definitely southern. Yeah, but Georgia's like, I mean, it's southern, but it's like Atlanta is the biggest city in Georgia. Yeah, Atlanta. Which is like the, Atlanta's, I mean, for, I've, I've only, I've been, that's like the only southern city I've spent any time in. And I love it, but I don't think it's representative of the south. Huh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if LA was representative of the west coast, it's out. Is it, tell me your, so I've never been to LA proper. Oh, I've been real? to like, yeah, I've been to like Palm Springs, which I think is kind of close. And I've been to San Francisco and uh, maybe, maybe another city in California, but um, yeah, I've never been to LA proper. So like, does that, what do you mean by that? Is LA like, like how, just, just like how LA is like, you're going to see famous people, like oh, people yeah, yeah, yeah. go there for vacation. Like it's like a tourist destination. It has sure. a lot of stuff to do like Georgia because they got all the museums and shit like that. Yeah, okay. you know? like, yeah, but if that's you, what's interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Good. But like, if you were to go to like, just like the middle of nowhere in Georgia, like you ain't got none of that shit, you know? Yeah. That's, you don't realize about Atlanta. I've had this experience, uh, I just got done, uh, it'll, I think it'll come out before this episode, I got done talking to Manny Martin about this, 
But there are shows in Washington State that are like all black lineups, all black audience. That like I don't even know. You did a show that I didn't even know happened uh, <laughs> that we we talked about. That was at like uh, maybe Hard Rock Cafe. Oh yeah, the TK Kirkland show. Yeah, which like sold out, right? Yeah, two. Yeah. Yeah, and there's there's so many acts like that. Like TK Kirkland, I, I the what I think I said to Manny is, oh no, I, th- I said it to someone in a text, but. Like TK Kirkland, or like the example I say is Arnez J. Arnez J. My mom has no who, idea who he is, right? Yeah. Even like my buddy that lives in Atlanta, I was like, so I worked the door at Tacoma Comedy Club when Arnez J. headlined, and he sold out like all four shows. I mean, he probably I don't think I was there for all of them, but all four shows on the nights I was there, he crushed harder than I've ever seen anyone crush. And to the, that point, I had not heard of him. Oh, for real? Uh, He's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but there's like a bunch of comics like that, and especially in Atlanta, there's yeah. so much industry. Yeah, that Atlanta's just like, like Hollywood. That's I say I was gonna. That's literally what I will say about Atlanta when people are saying like talking about great comedy cities is that it is Black Hollywood. But I don't necessarily feel comfortable broadcasting that to the world. But I yes, do. there's like. Yeah, thank you for thank you again. The voice for the white guy. Thank you, Vanessa Don. Oh, uh, if I don't name this podcast "Voice for the White Guy" with Vanessa Don, I fucking I made a mistake. But like Tyler Perry is like a billionaire. He has a full studio there, and and there's like so much movie and TV industry there. There's multiple comedy clubs, and it's just like if you asked the average comedy fan in Washington who Arnez J is, because I can tell you that the demographic switched at that club. Oh, for sure. When Arnez J was there. And then by the way, Arnez J just, I, I think I said this already, but like crushed harder than I've ever seen anyone crush for 80 minutes, like hard Man. 80 minutes. Like the, the tightest joke writer, white guy you can think of is not crushing that hard consistently for 80 not minutes. Not for 80 minutes. No. Yeah. He's, I mean, just a fucking monster. And, uh, yeah, that was like pretty eye opening to me that, like, the, there is like a segment of, of comedy that's just like a blind spot for most people. Yeah. That's why I'm really glad Nate Jackson's got a club opening in Tacoma now. Cause yeah. I think he's going to bring a lot of different headliners that we weren't getting in Washington or that would only come to the parlor. <laughs> yeah. Now that's Which is such a weird, by the way, like demographically a weird place. Because that's Bellevue, which I don't think of as, like, the place for an urban, quote-unquote, urban. How do you like the word urban? (laughs) Right? (laughs) I think it was just because, like, it was nice and it was connected to hotels, so it was convenient. Oh, sure. So they could just Uh, be like, yeah, walk over to your hotel. (laughs) (laughs) I worked there with uh, Mark Vieira. uh, And again, like a guy, first off, I made the mistake. Nobody gives you instructions there on how they like their MCs to work. So their MCs do uh, a lot of crowd work okay. there, or it's a little looser. And then like where I've MC'd before, uh, they don't want the yeah, MC to no do crowd, crowd work. work. But then again, it's like uh, it's like uh, he Mark Vieira went up and crushed, and uh, and it just made me feel like you ever have those nights in comedy where you just feel like fuck, I'm a fraud. Like this, yeah, uh, yeah. that guy's so much better than I am. I will never reach that level right and then you think about it and you're like oh they've been doing this shit for 25 years yes, yes i would like i'll be all right <laughs> yeah that's comforting what's so uh who did you grow up as a fan of stand-up comedy um yeah for the most part like i would say when i was a like younger teenager 
10, 11 is like when I kind of started watching it. And then my dad mm-hmm. would always watch it. So he'd be like, hey, watch this, you know. Actually, maybe before that, because he would always have us like, because, you know, back in the day, you could not really say as much on TV. So it was yeah. more safe for kids to watch, like, adult stand-up. So, yeah, yeah. like, oh, listen to this, you know. Like, he, he wasn't one of those dads that are like, uh, like, oh, they're talking about sex. Like, make the kids go somewhere else. He's like, oh, so I'm going to go over their heads. Like, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, just let them watch it. Yeah. So. Who did you watch? Like, uh, Robin Harris a lot, because, you know, he had baby kids back then, so. Yeah. A lot of him. And then we watched a lot of, like, Comic View. Um, What else? That's, so my exposure to Comedy Young was, like, I saw, uh, like, Seinfeld. And, yeah. man, who, but then the only, my TV, my cable company would switch Comedy Central to VH1 through whatever time they they showed uh, stand up, it was VH1. It wasn't Comedy Central. Right. So most of the stand up I watched growing up was uh, Comic View on that was on UPN, right? Uh, I think BT. Okay, then it was then it was there was yeah. something on UPN. I think though. Coming to the stage. Oh, okay. So Comic View coming to the stage. That's like the majority. And yeah. It's funny because I don't, I don't think you can see that in my act. <laughs> That that's yeah. like the the earliest stand up that I watched. Yeah, I watched a lot of like George Lopez and Carlos Mencia too, because sure. I was like I hung out with a lot of Mexicans because there's a bunch of Mexicans in Tulsa. So. Yeah. I I watched uh, Kings of Comedy was like an early yeah, uh, and then uh, I like the I watched the whatever the other the uh, blue collar comedy tour I watched that also, which is like different ends of the spectrum. But yeah. like Bernie Mac will forever to me be yeah. like a like a guy that I because I I I was actually because I watched the Hughleys. Yeah, uh, you like, like used the to show. love that show. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for D. L. Hughley, and then Bernie. I mean, and D. L. Hughley's a fine comic. Uh, Steve Harvey is probably the best host on TV. Yeah. But Bernie Mac blows all three of those other comics off the stage on that like the only lines i even remember well maybe not that's not true i remember cedric the entertainer talking about how bill clinton was the first black president and i remember (laughs) bernie mac beating his kids to the white meat those are like the two (laughs) lines that i will never forget for the rest of my life man right that was a classic kings of comedy are those who are the comics to come out of oklahoma is there not any? Is Vanessa Dawn on the? Is she's top of the Wikipedia page? Oh, uh, let me think. I don't know too many. Like, uh, like the people out of Tulsa. Um, <coughs> she who? Uh, who's from Tulsa? Bill Hader. Hader. Whatever. Oh wow. <laughs> who's like not even a stand-up? Right? He's like a like not, a sketch guy. Yeah, I think he does sketch oh. and shit. Who else? There's not a lot of people out of Tulsa who like just made it huge and stand up. There's a lot of people who did okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll go back and they're like, I'm gonna teach stand up comedy classes because I oh, no. opened for somebody back in '85. <laughs> 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 like for real, there was this one dude teaching class. I for, who was it? He's dead now, but he always. Thank God. Thank oh, God. I'm so John glad Witherspoon. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, oh. I always I open for John Witherspoon regularly," and then we were like, "Oh, that's dope." And then like you think about it, and you're like, "That fool stopped doing stand up a minute ago." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Witherspoon was doing stand up like in the seventies, <laughs> right? I was like, <laughs> but I like, but you know, when you just like start in comedy, you're like, "Oh shit, you know, pops." <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember thinking it was so impressive when somebody would be like, oh, yeah, I have uh, Gary Goldman's phone number. And now I go – I was thinking about this the other day, like how many comics I've met that like at one time I admired. And now I just have their phone number and I'm like, I don't even know if I like that guy. Like, right. the, like I'm not like, going to use it. As a person. Yeah. Right. I would never uh, – I have one phone number in my phone where I'm like – that's like don't ever fucking text that person anything but like, uh, like a serious – uh, if you ever have like something that pays them money, otherwise don't fucking. And then otherwise, it's like, I mean, I have like friends. I have good friends that I've made from working with them on uh, yeah. on shows that have come in from out of town. But then I have like a bunch. Like I have Polly Shore's number, for example. And I'm like, when am I ever gonna? I could delete that number from my phone <laughs> uh, and never have a have a reason to use it. Uh, that's funny. John Witherspoon is a guy that I was hoping because he's supposed he was supposed to put out a special. Uh, he has like a special filmed, and they were gonna put it. They were potentially gonna put it. Oh, I wonder if they'll put it out. They should put it out now. They should put it out. Yeah, during his. I guess his reason that he didn't put it out is that he looked too fat in it, which is so, it's so like I remember hearing him talk about it, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know. I had to quit drinking after that because I looked too fat in the." And obviously. Yeah, John Witherspoon's dead. Is the guy that taught yeah. the class dead? No, no. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, he doesn't uh, teach the class anymore. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> He's since given uh, up on all comedy. Do you have a, like, is there any comedian that you saw that you liked? Or, oh, man, I don't know if I want you to answer, like, if I would feel... Because I've thought of, I have, like, comedians that I worked with really early on that remain, like, a bad example of what a stand-up comedian is to me. Like where I knew very early, but I also have comics that I met early where I'm like, eh, I thought you were good, but actually you kind of suck now that I, in retrospect. Um, I'm not going to say any names per se, but. <laughs> will, you, will you set them to but, me off of the podcast? Of course. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, there's a few people that would come to the loony bin like back in Oklahoma because like some of those people, like they just been in rotation for like 20 years like there'd be people yeah. telling jokes about pagers and shit you know <laughs> and so like i used to be like oh but they're a headliner i need to be like them and then i realized like oh this is not even like an a-level club like they're not yeah. getting the best of the best all the time you know so it's like yeah. it kind of changed my definition like of what a headliner like but mm -hmm. and then like also when you first start out you're seeing people from out of town coming into feature and you're like oh shit like you do comedy as your job and you're not really yeah. knowing like 90 percent of them have another job <laughs> you know what i mean like they're yeah just i'm talking to this uh i have this like obscure rapper that i like from uh he was like got like a little bit of traction in like 2011 yeah, and then he's had like other projects since then that have been relatively successful. But his comedy career, that's what I plan on talking to him about, is, uh, or sorry, his comedy career, his, uh, his music career is so much like a, like a pretty successful stand up comedian's career where it's like even the, like the 95th percentile of comedians still has a day job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you'll hear people, then you're like, oh, they have a really successful podcast in New York. And you're like, and they work as a paralegal, uh, you know, <laughs> right. whatever. And it's like, uh, so he's like, I think he's he's been like a real estate agent. And then also Wait, like, who his, is it? 
His name is Lewis Logic. Okay. Uh, no. you, who did you think it was? I don't know. Because I, I, I think, was like, who is this guy? This is actually <laughs> one of the him? things, like Cameron. Did you know Cameron has a day job? Yeah, and that's the, I love that about Cameron because he's like, yeah, I've been pretty successful in rap, but eventually I'm going to be 60 and nobody's going to want to hear what I have to say. And it, and there's like a real middle class in rap and in com like Cameron's like extremely successful, right? And then you're like, oh, that dude didn't make enough money to live the rest of his life, so either keep rapping as a 60-year-old, right? Or yeah, you got to get a job to like fill the gap between and his his gap starts at a lot higher income hopefully because he made a shitload of money Hell yeah. but yeah you gotta and uh anyways so lewis logic is uh like the middle class of rap i think and i'm just trying to be the middle class right now like i'd like to reach the middle class of comedy like that's a true aspiration that i can go like maybe within the next couple of years i could be making uh Twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year off of comedy. I'd still need a day job, yeah. probably, or at least part time. Yeah, at least yeah, something like something to supplement. Yeah. Um, these babies aren't free. I've learned that the hard way. Uh, but yeah, I think like that's cool to me. When, especially rap, like comedy's got this like kind of dirtbag, grimy thing where you're like, oh yeah, I slept in my car and I've. I uh, yeah. lived in an apartment with four roommates, as I talked to you in, an, I think, an apartment with uh, four three I was, roommates. Yeah, I was in a house with six other people. Oh, sh- are you not anymore? Not anymore. Where do you live now? Uh, apartment with two people. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling somebody about, uh, there's a comic that I worked with that for no reason other than just to not uh, pretend like I know them more than I do, but that... Uh, Lives in L.A. and is, like, reasonably successful. I'm not going to say his, his name. But he just upgraded his life by... He moved... He was sleeping in a living room for, like, four and a half years. Damn. And he he upgraded to the bedroom. His The roommate moved out and he upgraded to the bedroom. Which is, like, a wild... So there's... Rap doesn't have that. Because rap is, yeah. like... And a lot of times it's about excess, right? So it's mm-hmm. more about, like, spending money you don't have. Which is yeah. another unfortunate... Like, both of those lead to poverty in your 40s, right? For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so, but I think it's cool. I think it's cool that, like, I, uh, Cameron or Lewis Logic is, like, literally works at a real estate office. I do think he owns a building in New York, so that's, like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, uh, but, yeah, he's, uh, I, I just like that. I, I love, I love working with like married comics with kids. Cause it's like an inspiration to me where I'm like, Oh, you can do this. Yeah. You can be a dad and a comic and not have a divorce, like two divorces yeah. under your belt. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of times, like some of them will bring their wife and they'll be like, this is our little vacation with the kids and shit. And like their wife is cool. They're having fun. Yeah. I have learned a thing about that, that sometimes guys bring their wife uh as like a cop for their penis basically <laughs> like to <laughs> i know what happened last time you had an out of town weekend i'm uh, coming <laughs> i'll actually i have a funny story for you off of the thing too but uh uh because i again i don't want to say the person's name but um <laughs> are you do you i don't want to do you work the same job as you did or do you plan on working the same job as you did before this Oh uh, yeah, I just started this okay. week actually. 
Okay. Do you yeah. ever talk about it? I mean, we can, yeah, it don't matter. Because it's a pretty unique job. If it's the one I'm thinking of. The cigarette one? Yeah. Is yeah. that the one you do? Yeah. You sell cigarettes? Um, Marketing for them, basically. Like, okay. I, don't, okay. I don't sell anything. I just like okay. go out there and talk about it and give out promos. And if you don't smoke, like I don't talk to you. So I basically like, post up for most of the day and wait for somebody to buy cigarettes. <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so you stand at like a 7-Eleven with flyers in your hand. Well, no. Nah, so- yeah, no flyers really. It's kind of like creepy, low key, because like we can't, <laughs> like we can't, because like if a kid walks in, they can't see anything that has to do with tobacco, yeah. like or else it's like kind of like you're advertising to a minor, which is hella illegal. Yeah. So basically, we just like kind of post up, like we have badges, but if a kid walks in, you have to hide your badge and shit like that. Wow. And so like, it's yeah, that's like the craziest. You're like a like a an undercover cop, but for the cri- the criminals, <laughs> like the like you're on the other side Sounds of about the right. Sounds- <laughs> <laughs> do you have any? Because there's like, do you have any moral issues with that? Do Do you ever struggle with that at all? No, never. Do you smoke? <laughs> huh? Um, do you not, smoke? Not so much. Like I, I'm not gonna lie. Like I picked it up a little bit since my yeah. job because like. I'm like man, we're talking about the shit all the time. I want to see if this tastes different than this one, and I can get a pack for like two dollars. So I'm like, let me find out. No, I hate this. Oh, yeah. Let me give this to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh like, yeah, that's a, you'd be a great friend to have to get packs of nineteen cigarettes. You know, yeah, yeah. that's a uh, my. <laughs> that's that's funny that you don't smoke and that you picked it up because I can't imagine talking about cigarettes. I've smoked for uh, like eight years. Oh, for real. Uh, I, yeah, I, I so I played baseball in high school and I s- smoked and chewed tobacco uh for 8 years basically. Like I would I was uh at one point I was working like 12-hour days or 10-hour days at night and then going to college during the day. So like yeah. the only thing that could really keep me awake through both was like heavy nicotine use otherwise. Uh, which isn't an excuse, like, don't do that if that's your fucking, if you're out here listening and somehow I can right. influence you. You're to, not promoting so, tobacco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not uh, on the clock. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, like, I every time I would start back up, it would be because uh, I would be, like, drinking. And I cannot tell you, so this is what I'm saying, is, like, the, the best thing in the world is, like, three beers and a cigarette. And then... The worst thing in the world is to have quit smoking and then to talk about three beers and a cigarette. Yeah, especially since we got to go in bars too. Well, not right now, obviously, because all our bars are not really open like that. But, yeah. But yeah, it is. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And like a lot of people call me out, like, you don't even smoke. Look at your teeth. Oh, that's <laughs> nice like, of them. Mm, they're right. A, you, you just say, uh, you should say you know a really good whitening uh, doctor. Right. Kind. I should start yeah. selling whitening shit on the side. Yeah, that's what you do. Cre- you crest white strips. Oh like, shit, that's a great. That's a great second business is to <laughs> you become a distributor for a fucking on the street distributor for crest white strips. Holy shit! shit. Like, nah, fuck all that. I'm gonna start my own MLM. Getting <laughs> 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 big money, Casey. Oh shit! You're gonna you're gonna sell you're gonna get like give someone a pack of cigarettes and a do do you ever give out? Can you give out the product? Nah. God damn, what do you have to do then? 
basically it's like oh you smoke this try our product here's a coupon oh okay a yeah. coupon then that's but you yeah. can't they used to they used to, it used to be that like they used to walk around with big ass duffel bags full of cartons of cigarettes and hand out packs but then yeah. they decided that should be illegal <laughs> Who, did they decide that is that like in your lifetime they decided that or um like technically but like not since i've been working for the company oh I, okay it, i guess it happened nationwide sometime in like the 90s maybe like yeah i know they got early they got 2000s. super strict about it yeah yeah because i know they said it's been at least like 10 years that the last date you could do that so i see so I wanted to, the other show that I had you on. Tell me if you remember this because uh, it was in Tacoma. Was that at the theater? It was at a theater. <laughs> <laughs> thought my fucking feelings are hurt already. <laughs> I would talk to anybody about this. Uh, so I, I get this theater convinced that I could book a show there. Uh, <laughs> send them like a video of my comedy so they know that I'm not a piece of shit. Uh, I've been doing it at a brewery up to that point. Uh, a brewery that I will will again do shows at at some point. The theater holds like 280 people. And I think there were 11 people in the audience. Which, in a theater, there's almost no way to make that not obvious and i'm and i had the nerve to ask for a plus one <laughs> yeah well that's fine at least somebody's in the my my thing is always like if the show isn't gonna make money i at least want like the comics to have fun yeah you know and everyone i've never not paid somebody because the show performed poorly so you're gonna get the amount of money we said and then i want it to be fun yeah you asked for a plus one and i remember going like oh this is gonna be not impressive for that plus one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you brought a guy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious if, now that you brought that up, because I wasn't sure how comfortable you would be bringing that up, but if you brought a guy, and I can tell you, I didn't let my wife go to any shows that I performed on for the first six months that I did comedy, because so much of the early parts of comedy are fucking humiliating. True. Do you know what I mean? Very and, true. And uh, I'm wondering if that created any... Does, is there any of that in a relationship where the man is not a comic and the woman is a comic? Yeah, for did sure. Have, I'm not going to date feel, like, anyone who is a comic. Yeah, no, yeah. but what I'm saying is, is like, did you go like, oh, I have a show at a theater tonight? And he's like, oh, shit, I'm excited to go see you perform at a theater. And then there's 11 people. By the way, 11 doesn't include the comics, but it didn't – comics and, and comps. Right. But it uh, it didn't cross 20 at any point in the show. There was yeah. never more than a 10%, never more than like a 7% uh, filled theater. <laughs> Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't really like that because that was like when I first moved here, kind of. You know, like I had like yeah. three friends. <laughs> oh, okay. And I was just kicking with him, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do a show tonight." He's like, "Can I come?" I was like, "Yeah, of course." Like, let me see if I can get you in for free. Oh, and nice. Yeah, it wasn't like a a relationship type thing, so it didn't really. Gotcha. Be, but at the same time, he was like. I really wanted to see like what the fuck you talked about because you're you talk about like everything in regular life. So 
Well. Oh, you mean he wanted to see what you talk about on stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Because he was like, I just don't see you telling jokes. I don't see it. And then I was like, well, just come to a show one day. And then he oh, was see, like, oh, so you're funny. actually funny. Like, you're good. Like, you're going to make it. And all this show. I'm like, bro, like, this is not even the best show. <laughs> yeah, that's not a show to say you're going to make it, by the way. I don't think a, I don't think a theater with 11 people is a great indicator that you're going to make it. <laughs> right? Like, not this one, but you're going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> some some things are really gonna have to break right, but you're gonna make it. <laughs> right, we're gonna have to change everything, but you're gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe the podcast will be called "You're Gonna Make It" because that's uh, I think mouthpiece for the white guys is probably a little more controversial. Title. It might be. You're gonna get me fucking banned from groups and shit. That's you know what? That's how I'm dealing with with. Uh, I'm actually secretly racist, and the way that I'm doing it is to get people on my podcast and make them get banned from comedy. You're never gonna do comedy in the city again. First that's posse, a, that's now what, me. That was my goal. Yeah. <laughs> posse, Manny Martin. He's gone, by the way. Already gone. Fuck that. I ain't guy. heard he's from a- Manny in a while. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. Actually, from he killed himself after the podcast. It's uh. Whew. <laughs> you'll you'll understand why when you listen. Uh, no, it's uh, he actually did ask me if he came on because <laughs> he said he said that early in his career he was intimidated to perform in front of black audiences, and then he immediately regretted saying that on the podcast. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is different. It definitely it is, is different. different. It is different. I, I, I've been trying to not bring this up on every podcast, especially like anytime I have a black guest, I don't think I should uh, just say this. But I'm going to say a thing. I'm very invested in and obsessed with performing in front of black audiences because I believe this more than anything in comedy. I believe that if you're going to make fun of a group or make a joke that in- involves a group, you better be able to say it in front of that group. Oh, for sure. Because if you can't, then the joke's too fucked up to say obviously right if you're like oh like if it's like and it doesn't it just isn't just black people right it's like if, if i'm making a joke about gay people yeah yeah yeah. and i'm like i'm like god i hope there's no gay people in the audience to hear this joke i gotta yeah. quit telling that joke see like i had some trans jokes and then i moved oh, sure. out here and i was like oh there's like because i knew literally two trans people before i moved out here and they were both yeah. comics and so like they were like yeah I see where you're going. That's funny. It's fine. And I moved out here and they were like, it's not fine. (laughs) I was like, it's not? (laughs) I also think like that's a tough thing for comics to like reconcile is that if you have friends that are comics, it's like having friends that are coworkers and it's not the same as having normal people, friends from that group. Yeah. So, like, that's, like, a common thing when people are, like, oh, I have black friends. And it's, like, yeah, they were in your dorm. Like, you have a completely (laughs) shared experience. You know what I mean? Like, that's not that's not the same. Like, you're not actually giving your life diversity to, like, you need to work. Like, you need to, in my opinion, this is what everybody should do is they got to work manual labor for a year. Because if you work manual labor for a year, you're going to work with a completely diverse group of ethnicities, right? And you're going to hear... The, the shit you're going to hear that I think is like a good, if you're a comic, it's good, is you're going to hear a Filipino guy make fun of a black guy. 
and vice versa right. and nobody get mad about it exactly like everybody's just yelling at a foosball table it's not uh it's not like this is a literal experience that i have yeah. is like some of the most heinous racist shit is being said at 10 p.m at a foosball table while we're all away from our families yeah. at fucking 10 p.m and working manual labor and uh yeah that's like i think an experience that because i think you, probably the same thing goes like I have a. I would never. I couldn't make a trans joke because all almost all the trans people I met are comedians. Yeah. Uh, and then the like it, when I was in high school, we didn't even have any out gay people at my school. A word. Yeah, we there was like one guy and one woman that like the rumor was they were gay. Yeah. And that was like, and they were, they were like as adults yeah. they came out, but. Now it's like my wife is a teacher and there's like out gay kids and out trans kids and what a yeah. better life to live for for Same them. Here. But it's just not my experience that like like I grew up with like middle class or lower middle class uh people of many different races or I guess I say lower middle class because I don't want to ad admit that we were like not in either of those categories, right? Right. Like, you don't <laughs> Lower middle class is a, is a is a white person saying like we were pretty poor but uh not like we still right. had a we, we still ate. had an above ground pool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like we, we we I wasn't going to any special camps, but uh <laughs> I fucking above ground pool and uh yeah. So Right, you're living cool. You're playing baseball on street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm playing baseball in the free ways you can play baseball. Like little league, <laughs> or not free, cheap. Like little yeah. league. I played little league till I was 18 years old because it goes up that high. You both yeah. people don't know that it goes up that high. My my like local baseball, high school baseball team. We all played high school and little league. Maybe it doesn't go up to 18, but we fucking dominated little league because by the time. You get to little like that point. Most people right. are playing on like paid travel teams and select teams, so we would just oh, destroy yeah. our local little league because we were the best players in the city. Yeah. Uh, and I was one of the worst of the best players in the city, by the way. Uh, but yeah, my point is, is that like, if you just meet people through comedy, you're meeting fucked up people who have the same mentality as you yeah for the most you know part what I mean? yeah so so like i have gay friends from comedy and i have gay friends from real life and their sensitivity about gay jokes are very different yeah <laughs> that's true that's true um i think that was i think i, I don't have a lot more when, when's the last time you did comedy um Let's see, when did I... The last real show I did was like the 27th of June. Oh, okay. Was that in Oklahoma? Uh, No, it was a, It was in Washington. It was supposed to be like a outdoor, socially distanced like, oh, show. Oh, yeah. We all had a little mic up. It was like... It was back when outdoor shows were okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then How it, was the outdoor show? I never got to do... I'm doing a backyard show in Eatonville, which is apparently legal because it's a private... Yeah. I've seen a lot of people Party? doing like house shows, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've done a couple house shows that were dope, but um, the sh show actually ended up like not being outdoors. Like, I'm not gonna say where it's at, just in case. But yeah. Oh, can I hear it off the thing too? Of course, but yeah, okay. they ended up moving that shit inside because it started raining and they didn't have any table covers, and so they were kind of like, "We're not fucking sitting outside on wet benches, like." in the ring yeah. and i was like yeah cool because i don't want to do that either 
But at the same time, is this okay? <laughs> How did you do on the show? You know, I did way better than expected, to be honest. Like, I will say I'm happy that I did, like, those two open mics when I was in Oklahoma. Because yeah. it was kind of like, all right, I'm talking to a mic again. Let me try to get these new jokes out. And then, like, the crowd was just so fucking hot that yeah, it was cool. Because you know how small towns are sometimes. They're just like, oh, fuck. Like, we got comedy. Yeah, well, and they're like, they're wait. The show that you did outside was in Seattle, right? I think I remember. Um, it, it was like outside of Seattle. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like Snohomish County or some shit. Gotcha, gotcha. Maybe okay, so, but the that's funny that now we now I'm like trying to think of what venue you could have gotten shut down permanently by. <laughs> anyways, they. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna delete all my show flyers. <laughs> 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 just be cool if you're out there listening be cool right? we're, we're not Don't we're on the snitch. side of comics here we'll find uh, you. <laughs> uh is because that's my experience was that uh, i did a live show in june june 11th 12th and 13th i did live shows uh at a club that was open was it tacoma in comedy tri-cities club. no tacoma comedy club Oh, oh, yeah, they did open back up for a little bit. I forgot. Yeah, for like a month they were open, and it was really fun, and I did like a bunch of Zoom shows leading up to it because I was like, uh, I felt like an athlete recovering from an injury where right. I was like, uh, I was like, I got to get on the bike and at least warm up my joints before I go out and run because I know that riding a bike isn't the same as playing baseball, but yeah. uh, I need the blood pumping before I get there, and I still fucked up like multiple parts of a joke i left like the core of a joke out like there was enough punchlines that the audience didn't maybe notice that i missed a big chunk they were probably just like why did he bring that up for 45 seconds of material and then just go like it was about my wife giving birth yeah and i did like the shortest like i did like the first 45 seconds or a minute of the joke and then i just forgot to do the rest of it and like moved on to the next thing and uh did you have any of that um, a little bit. I was kind of like trying to run through that shit in my head before because I was thinking, I'm like, all right, what jokes can I tell them? I was like, fuck, how does that joke go? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait a second, you know, like I know the punchline, but how did I get there? And so you I record kinda, your sets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. Did you listen, listen to any? To, no, I didn't listen to any. I just kind of, I was only doing like 20 minutes though. So I was like, I can pull that out. Like, I can remember that shit. And then I was like, You were hmm. wrong. <laughs> no, 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 it worked out pretty well. And then, like, they were hella cool. So, like, they're, you know how you get those laugh breaks. So I had, like, some time to think <laughs> between every joke and shit. It's like, all right, yeah. what's next? You know, and they're cool. It was, like, one of those small towns where that, like, there's really no one to tell hecklers, like, shut the fuck up. And, but yeah. they're, like, happy hecklers like yes girl i get that yes and so it's like you could kind of fuck with the crowd in between and shit too so it went it went pretty smooth i did a show one time where the security guard the show had a security guard which is like bar show unheard of red flag <laughs> yeah he was supposed to be just taking tickets but what i didn't realize this lady started heckling and she was really bad uh and then he started heckling the security guard. And then what happened was it's the only time I've ever left stage angry. This lady was so fucking obnoxious. And like, I was doing well when I could tell material with the rest of the room, mm-hmm. but she just like, wasn't there for comedy. Her and her, 
her group. It was like five people. She wasn't there for comedy. It might have been her birthday, which is a real problem with uh, white women. Uh, they really should not go to comedy on their birthday. I think actually when they check IDs at the club, if it's a white woman and it's her birthday that day, they should fucking kick her out before she comes in, to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or she got a sash, if she got a sash one, don't let that bitch <laughs> If she's wearing a hat with a dick on it or a fucking don't tiara, out of here, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, so she's like, uh, talking shit and she's like trying to emasculate me and i and then like i was like is one of these guys your husband and i was gonna i think i told him to like you gotta tell your wife to shut the fuck up right and then i realized that uh he wasn't laughing with me (laughs) like (laughs) he like stood up and i was like oh this isn't him when he stood up i was like he stopped thinking these are jokes Right. Uh, and so then I like kind of moved on from it to like not, you know, I don't want to be a fucking uh, uh, news story on. Yeah, no. Okay, just I don't, don't want to be a statistic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The big Jay Ogerson thing was so He's crazy. Huge. Like, what? Yeah. And then it's like a group of that. Like, I would never fuck with that guy's fans specifically. But uh, anyway, uh, the heckler or the, the, um, Security guard came up to me after the show and he's like, Oh yeah, I was, I was trying to help you with that heckle because that lady was being so annoying. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever fucking heard Hi. is the security guard thinking that him heckling me with something different is going to improve this situation. Right. Like, how about you go tell her to shut up? Your ass is like, I got a better one. <laughs> like, the fuck out of here? <laughs> what's no. the most fucked up thing you've dealt with like that? Like a heckler or an audience um... member after the show? Usually it's pretty smooth. I feel like it makes it kind of better since I'm a woman, you know? So yeah. if you I'm just like, if I can look at a dude and be like, hey, shut the fuck up, bro. Like, he's not <laughs> probably not going to want to fight me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there was this one time, though, back in Oklahoma, there was like a group of girls, as usual, right? Yeah. <laughs> Always Were they- and of of what color, might I ask? You know they was white. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it might have been a birthday, but there is like oh, five, five or six stereotypes. white girls. And they were just talking the whole time, but it was like a competition. So I was mm. like, I'm trying to win this money. So I'm like, I'm going to make them shut up as soon as I get on stage. So I just like went hard on them. Started talking shit. Started talking about their hair. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> like I did the absolute most. I and then like I got off stage and I was like went to the bathroom and one of the girls like I walk out the stall and there's like she's just like right fucking there and like she was sitting down and I was on stage so I didn't realize this bitch was like six eleven like <laughs> like, like uh oh. <laughs> And then, but she was cool as fuck. Though she was just like, "Girl, you are crazy. You are funny. Let us buy your tab. Come take shots with us." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "But that's probably like the closest call that I've ever." Had. All right, that was Vanessa Dawn. I'm a big Vanessa Dawn fan. She's uh, one of the coolest, one of the nicest comics in the Northwest, and yeah, I've really, uh, I really enjoyed working with her. 
It's tough for it's tough for comics that are from out of town. I have uh for a million reasons, by the way. If you're not if you're not aware, like comedy all happens at night. If a comic has kids, then especially like uh when I, this is what I don't understand is when two comics are together and they have a kid. One of them just has to decide, like, I'm the parent tonight, and you go out and perform. And then, yeah, not having a support system close, uh, especially in a time like this where we're all quarantined, is tough. I was happy to hear that Vanessa made it down to Oklahoma um, and missed out on the height of their... (laughs) She was not infected in the height of their... uh, in the height of their spike. I did a show, a live in-person comedy show this weekend. Tacoma Comedy Club, Spokane Comedy Club. Uh, they have responded to the live entertainment ban in Washington State where the only options to do live comedy are if you... Uh, it's people of the same household rent a comedian to come out social distancing applies masks, etc., etc. Um, did everybody follow that perfectly at the show? I was at no, but people were pretty good. I was like a solid 15 feet away from anybody when I was performing and it felt so good. I could barely go to sleep last night. It felt so good to be out performing in front of people. I'm uh I've been skeptical about outdoor shows with small audiences. Um I went to Eatonville, Washington, which is a town towards Mount Rainier. Small town. I don't know if I've ever actually been there before like officially. I probably have. And you know how I'm going to find out that I have is that uh, my mom listens to this podcast and she gives me corrections. She, do, you remember on PTI, they had a stat boy. My mom is the stat boy of this podcast where she goes, you know, actually you, uh, you were born in 1986. You've been saying 1985. I, I didn't actually say that. She's going to correct me on that also, but, uh, I don't remember ever being in Eatonville and, it's a very low population density city. I pulled in. I, was, I drive a Prius wagon. Not to brag. Ladies, gentlemen, keep your hands off. I'm married. I'm taken. This Prius wagon only drives around one lady, two ladies, three ladies. My wife, my dog, and my daughter. My mom sometimes. The aforementioned mother of mine sometimes every now and then not recently drove the Prius wagon to Eatonville not a popular car in Eatonville Washington it's a very country town I would I would suspect that Eatonville votes Republican and I pulled it I had one of those moments where I was like driving in a small town don't have great reception on my phone uh, at least Google Maps has like you know collected all the directions GPS information. And all of a sudden, this, what appears to be a tow truck, is just following me. And then I turn left, 
and the truck turns left. And I turn right, the truck turns right. I take my final turn, the truck follows, and I'm like, is this guy just going to tow me away from this house because I dared to bring a Prius into Eatonville, Washington? And he wasn't. He was some dude that was coming to see the show. I don't know, went to pick up. He had like a horse trailer on the back of it. Different world out there. 100-acre farm. Comedy on a 100-acre farm. And by farm, I mean uh, not a farm, probably. <laughs> I, I mean a big 100 acres of land. There was like two horses, a bunch of dogs. I don't think there was any crops. A ranch? Is that a ranch? I don't know. Very fun, though. It was a... Uh, had a couple good conversations with people because there were certainly some some right-leaning folks there. And I would say, despite me being left of center, uh, left-leaning, a 90s Democrat is what I heard, how I heard it described, and I think that's how I would describe myself. Uh, despite that, my preference... If you had to pick, do you want to perform in front of a Democrat or Republican audience? I'd probably pick a Republican audience because it's the, I think it's the same way as like, this is, I've learned like, if you want to, if you want to break things down into the most binary generalizations, uh, Democrats don't want to hear about race. Republicans don't want to hear about abortion and black people don't want to hear about your cat. That's what I how I would break audiences down to say like this. If I was going to characterize a specific type of audience, that's what I would say. And I don't have any abortion jokes, so I do have a cat joke that bombs in front of black audiences. Uh, I I don't have any abortion jokes. I don't have anything that's particularly political, even so. When it's political. It's mostly about my ignorance and not politics. And I've said this on the podcast, I think, but I actually, when I'm writing jokes, I don't want the audience to know for sure. I don't want them to take for granted that they know who I voted for because there's tension to be played with on both sides. So good conversations, uh, good audience. It's pretty obvious when you pull up in a Prius wagon wearing a craft cocktail bar shirt <laughs> and a and a hat from the same place and a hoodie from a craft hot dog bar. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious that you're a liberal in Eatonville, Washington. But great welcoming people. Uh, there was like, I went out there with my buddy Josh Firestein and I, I did dodge this bullet, which is, I'm an atheist. I don't bring it up. Uh, I say agnostic to people sometimes because the conversation is shorter. I don't try to make other people atheists. I don't argue against religion. I actually, as I get older, I, I uh, understand why people are religious, especially in small towns more. And I dodged a bullet, and then that bullet hit my buddy Josh Firestein, which is 
a lady cornered him and started talking to him about how we're living in the end times <laughs> and how all of what's happening right now was predicted in revelations. And I got to say, if you're a Christian bringing up revelations and the end times is hack, that's hack. Every era of people since the beginning of time has thought they were living in the end times. We're not special. So I missed that. I missed that conversation. But I had a lot of fun. Uh, made fun of the... I, I might post... I had that one-off series. I had a... On, if you go to my YouTube channel, please subscribe, by the way. Embarrassingly low um, subscriber count. I started a series I called One-Offs, which is just like jokes that will never... Like, the context of them is so specific that it's just like some shit that I came up with off the top of my head and if I can capture it on video I can post it on there and there's a couple of those jokes that are that I I think um I think I might have another one-offs one-offs Eatonville Washington <laughs> I might be back in Eatonville pretty soon though it's the only place uh doing comedy and the some of the some of the audience members threatened to have us come back out again and perform for him again. And that the funny thing about this gig is a year ago, this would have been the worst thing on my calendar. Like I would have been looking for any reason to get out of this gig. And now it is the only thing on my calendar. I'm, it was the, I was looking forward to it for weeks it was so fun. I went long. I never go long, but I was having fun. And I don't know when I'm going to get on stage again next. See, I was supposed to do 30. I did 35. I never do that. The circumstances, under the circumstances, it was fine. But, uh, yeah, so much fun. And then I had to, uh, you know, you come back from that. And then you start to remember, you like realize the reality that I don't know the next time I'm going to be on stage. I don't know the next time I'm going to, by stage, I mean like someone's back patio. You can, uh, you can rent me by the way. I'm not that expensive. I'll perform in your yard. I have a PA, I'll bring it. Uh, or you could go to Tacoma Comedy Club, email uh, info at barkentertainment.com. If you want to rent a comic, there's some rates available on my uh, Facebook Instagram, etc. Uh, they're the club's rates. You don't have to take me, but I'd, ha I'd happily come perform in your backyard if you stay away from me while I'm doing it. I think it was. I think it's four hundred fifty bucks to get a one a uh, sixty minute show. So, yeah, you come. That that this is the same thing that happened when I performed in June. Is you get done and you're like so excited. You're like, holy shit. That was a blast. Stand-up is back in my life. And then you go, I can't even get places to book me confidently in September, in December, in February 2021. I'm, I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to get something in the works. We'll announce it 
if it ever gets into the works. But there's some difficulty finding places that want to do stand-up comedy and that are willing to put it on their calendar right now. And then, you know, obviously, like, the realities of the world right now. I don't know... Well, let's start with this. Uh, I saw some right-wing pundit put together a video of Joe Biden. Joe Biden's speech on, I think it was Thursday. His speech on Thursday and a speech he gave in 2008. And how similar they were. And to me, it's the same. It feels like the same thing you hear about. Or you hear from audience members when they see you for the second time, and especially if they see you twice in one weekend, the magic stand-up comedy, if you're doing it well, and I'm not saying I am doing it well, it looks like you're just having these thoughts, and you're just relaying them to people for the first time in brilliant, perfectly formed jokes. So the audience is kind of stupid for thinking that's happening. But when they see you again and you do the same material and you have the same realization, and in the joke it was two weeks ago that something happened, and then they see you six months later, and in the joke it was two weeks ago, it takes for some people a little bit of the magic of stand-up comedy away. And I feel like this dude that's... I'm going to find out who he is. He's not the only one. I'm sure he's not even the one that originated the video, but... uh, JT Lewis, school safety advocate in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, I guess. And his... It says Team Trump on his... uh, So this is a right-wing dude trying to catch... But it's like, you think Joe Biden's objectives for America should have changed that much in 12 years? You fucking dummy, J.T. Lewis. Also, let's see. Let's look at this guy. He's young. Uh, This guy doesn't look like he knows what consent means, I'll tell you that. Uh... Yeah, what? How stupid is that? That's not a gotcha. That's that's like, oh, you didn't realize the Trump is the only person, and, the, and I'll, I'll give him this uh, skill. He's the only guy who can go up and talk for an hour with nothing planned. Every like that is a skill. It's not a virtue, but it's a skill. And he's got that skill. I used to hear this story about a radio guy in uh, in Seattle named the T-Man. Rob Tepper, I think was his name. And then he became a professional poker player. And who knows if he's still alive. Boy, that's actually morbid. What if he is not still alive? Let's see. Rob Tepper. How you doing, buddy? World Series of Poker. He has career earnings of $392,000 as a poker player. Atta boy. Atta boy, Rob Tepper. 
He's done some acting, maybe? Is this the same Rob Tepper? Good job, Rob Tepper. I heard a story about him when he was the T-Man, when he was like a kind of a Tom Likasy, Howard Stern figure in Seattle on Cube 93. I heard someone say that he was the only person they've ever seen that could just walk in, no show prep, cup of coffee, open the newspaper, and go. That's a skill. It may lead you down some base, primitive topics for the T-Man and for Trump, but it is a skill, and it's a skill that I don't possess. I'm not saying I put in a lot of prep, but I think about what I'm going to talk about. And the last thing I want to talk about, I guess, is that I think we've reached a point with... So... I don't think that white people should be telling black people when it's time to stop being mad about police brutality or inequality in any way. But I do think we are reaching a breaking point for how long a city can accept nightly destruction of property and nightly violence. And by the way, to be very clear, I don't think that the violence and the looting and the destruction of property is coming from the sincere Black Lives Matter supporters. And in general, I would say, like most of what the Black Lives Matter movement and Black Lives Matter, the organization, strive for, I agree with. But at some point, a city has to restore order. And I don't think it's those people, these sincere Black Lives Matter protesters, that are doing most of this. In fact, there's a ton of video evidence of people saying, like, don't break the window of that car because... You're going to make us all look like shit, and that's true. Because that stuff is happening, that's become the prevailing opinion of what's going on. And the like, a lot of people are a lot less cautious to dis- than I am to assign blame. I don't think it's Black Lives Matter protesters that are causing problems. I mean, necessarily. I'm sure that, you know, representative sample, I'm sure there's a couple looters who have been sincere protesters, but there's also been violence from counter protesters. And so now in Portland and in other cities where police have been asked to stand down, and now there are counter protesters, assholes, in my opinion, but people who also have the right to protest, the police have been asked to stand down, and it looks bad optically when they are essentially allowing these like blue lives matter folks to come in and they're standing down then. But regardless of what you think of police, this is an impossible, there is no win to be had for police in Portland, Oregon. 
I don't think there's, I don't know that there's a win in Seattle. And I, I also think, by the way, that when, when people, I saw an article, when people say they don't understand what defund the police means, or when they, sorry, when people say that other people don't understand what defund the police means, and I saw a guy write an article that said, it's not your, you know, we don't have to educate people. It doesn't matter if the, the slogan, uh, is ineffective. That's unimportant. I think it's taking for granted the average person who on both sides of who supports or doesn't support the defund the police hashtag slash uh, rally and cry. Because I think there's a lot of people that support it that don't understand what it means. I think there's people who support it that think that it means to reallocate funding to help people instead of incarcerating them. And then I think there's people who believe that it means to abolish the police and support abolishing the police. And then I think there's people on the other side who believe that it means abolishing the police <laughs> and who don't support abolishing the police. And I don't think there's a sane person in this world that thinks we can have a society without police. Yeah, we should, they should, we got to figure out a way to make it uh, more equitable at the minimum and then improve policing nationwide. But I don't know, I th it seems to me that the message is being lost. Much like at several different points Colin Kaepernick's protests were mischaracterized. These protests are being mischaracterized, or at least the intentions of these protests are being mischaracterized. In fact, I, I think you could argue that on both political sides of the political aisle, it's being the protests are being mischaracterized right now. So... I don't have anything like a conclusion to this apart from you got to look out for hypocrisy on this issue, I think, because I've seen like, I saw a thing today where a person was like on the ground. I don't know if they're a reporter or not, but they had a video of a man, uh, Basically, like an explosive got thrown into a crowd and it ended up between him and his shield and injured him pretty badly. He had to be, you know, taken away. I don't know the extent of the injuries. And then I read the person's reports and they sound horrific. I don't want to be in those protests. And I'm certainly probably more sympathetic to the side of the of the Black Lives Matter supporters, uh, of the Black Lives Matter protesters. I mean, I'm certain, I'm not, I'm going to think certainly maybe, I, th I think I said certainly maybe. I'm certainly more sympathetic to their side of it, but I think an impossible situation has been created here. And I think that what we need to do is just, first off, wear your fucking masks, which I will say, uh, 
the Black Lives Matter protests have been very mask full. There's been a lot of masks. And I think that this this constant narrative about the protests creating spikes, I think that they're probably uh the spikes are being under reported by like the liberal end of the media spectrum and overhyped by the conservative end of the media spectrum. Wear your mask, protest peacefully, and then, I don't know, it's an impossible zero win in a city like Portland, I feel like. I don't know how you resolve that. This is why I'm not a politician, apart from uh, not being good-looking or uh, virtuous. <laughs> it's because I don't know how to solve that problem. It's a tough one. What a waste of time this last uh, five minutes has been. But, uh, all right, we're almost done. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, go follow me on all platforms. The Casey McLean, one C in McLean. VKCMcLean.com uh, slash calendar for live stand-up dates. I might be starting a Zoom show soon. Go check out my buddies at Little Radio in Tacoma. If you live in Tacoma, I'm gonna, I have a live show pending. Uh, we were going to start it before the live performance ban went into effect. Um, go check them out. Great food, great drinks. And like every single other restaurant in the country right now, struggling to keep the lights on so go check those guys out little radio in tacoma wingman brewers in tacoma same company um great friends of mine uh and great places great beer great food uh vanessa dawn at nessa the dawn n-e-s-s-a the uh the or the yeah the that's a fucking rude i wasn't sure i wasn't sure vanessa i'm sorry Nessa the Don, uh, D-A-W-N, a very funny comic. Check out her, uh, her YouTube clips and all that. And then please, for God's sake, subscribe to my YouTube, share this podcast with a friend, you motherfucker, share it. Let's get this thing. It's, uh, the vast majority of the listeners to this podcast are in Washington state. Let's let's even that out a little bit. Share it with an out-of-state friend, please. And uh, join the Patreon. There's a Patreon. <laughs> Jesus, this sucks. Uh, too many ads at the end. Too many plugs or whatever. I should have done this at the beginning, honestly, because nobody's listening now. Once I've started on this, nobody's listening. But the Patreon is patreon.com slash McLean. Uh Let's see. I think that's right. Yeah, patreon.com slash the Casey McLean, a bunch of perks, early access to these episodes, ad-free episodes, all that. So check those out. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.